This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 9th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Democrats running the U.S. House have made some strides in moving to eliminate past authorizations for the use of military force across the globe. Arguably, though, they have not repealed the one AUMF that would help Congress reclaim its war power. Cato's Gene Healy details why and how Congress should reclaim its constitutional role. If I understand Joe Biden correctly, these AUMFs do not in any way, according to him, limit his ability to wage war. Well, at least in areas where we're already deployed. Uh, so you've seen some mostly positive movement in the recent recent weeks on the Hill uh, from Congress weighing in on whether, how, with whom uh, we go to war. Uh They uh, repealed on June 17th, uh, the House repealed, uh, uh, passed a resolution repealing the 2002 authorization for the use of force against Iraq, uh, AUMF, uh, that uh, empowered George W. Bush to topple the Saddam Hussein regime. At the end of June, uh, they voted by an even wider margin to repeal two older AUMFs. That's... uh, the 1991 AUMF that gave uh, Bush Sr. the authorization to kick Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait. Uh, We've been at this a long time. And a 1957 authorization that was aimed at protecting the Middle East from international communism. Uh, But yeah, in between uh, that first and second vote in the House on Sunday, June 27th, uh, Joe Biden for the second time in his young presidency, uh, launched airstrikes against Iranian-backed Shiite militias in the Iraq-Syria border region. And he said that uh, he could keep doing that without any congressional authorization whatsoever. Uh, He said, I have the authority under Article 2. So what that points up here is that while these are some welcome welcome moves toward reasserting congressional control of the war power, Uh, Congress has pretty far to go before it meaningfully meaningfully reclaims that authority in any significant way. So what would Congress have to do in order to reclaim that authority in any significant way? They'd have to keep uh, repealing past authorizations for the use of military force until they hit one that we're actually using, uh, principally the 2001 AUMF, the uh, resolution that Congress passed three days after 9-11 to get the perpetrators of 9-11 and anyone who harbored or aided them. Uh, that's really the catch-all, this sort of, and become it's become this sort of enabling act for a far-flung uh, global war on terror against a host of jihadist groups that didn't even exist on 914 when the resolution was passed. Uh, I should say, you know, that's not to say that it's not good that Congress has repealed uh, or is moving towards repealing some old AUMFs. There's always the danger that these seemingly dead authorities can be reanimated by new presidents to uh justify new foreign adventures. In the case of the 1991 Gulf War authorization, the before 
the second Iraq war, the uh, George W. Bush administration floated the argument that they didn't need any authorization for a new Iraq war because they had the old authorization for the old Iraq war. Well, they ended up getting the 2002 AUF. But that 2002 AUMF that the House voted to rescind recently um, was invoked by the Trump administration uh, for military action against Iran in the beginning of uh, of 2020 when they uh, launched a, a targeted killing of uh, Qasem Soleimani, a senior uh, Iranian uh, government official, uh, you know, senior official for a country we're, we're not at war with. They, the Trump administration invoked Article 2, but also this 2002 AUMF as legal cover for an, a, a very significant expansion of uh, our military activity in, in the Middle East. So it's good to get rid, even if we're not currently using these, uh, it's all to the good that uh, folks on the Hill are, are trying to repeal them and close off the, the possible presidential mischief using uh, seemingly moribund AUMFs. But there's also something really weird about the, the debate on the Hill because the congressmen and women who are in favor of repealing the these three old AUMFs, the 2002, 1991, and 1957 AUMFs, are actually like bragging that this, you know, these repeals, they're, they're, they're layups. They don't actually, uh, they don't change conditions on the ground. They're not being used for any current military operations. And right in the middle of that debate, when they're, they're bragging, in essence, that this has no immediate effect, what we're doing. Um, right in the middle of that, Joe Biden is sort of underscoring their point by uh, using defensive Article II authority to shoot back at Iranian-backed militias that are lobbing rockets and drones at, at our bases over there. So it's a, a bit of a surreal debate where the people arguing that they're doing their constitutional duty are using as uh, a selling point that uh, actually this doesn't really affect anything. We can still go to war, uh, you know, more or less uh, in the region at will under existing authorities that we're not repealing. Uh, if they really want to take back uh, the powers that presidents have seized and that they've in part ceded, uh, they're going to have to grapple with the 2001 AUMF, which has been the excuse for our presence in the region and for uh, you know, military operations in some 14 countries uh, right now. And that's really the elephant in the room. And that's that would affect current operations. And if they want to reclaim the power that the Constitution gives them, that's what they're going to have to tackle next. So if uh, Republicans hearing this uh, Democratic crowing that these repealing these AUMFs do not affect uh, anything the president might wish to do around the globe currently, um, why are they still complaining? <laughs> well, it, it was a good opportunity, I guess, to remember uh, what there is not to like about uh, folks like Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Mitt Romney of Utah. The argument for the Republicans 
in the House and the Senate, uh, three three quarters of the uh, House GOP caucus, by the way, voted against repealing the 2002 AUMF. Um, and even 46 Republicans, uh, something like 20 percent of the House Republicans, uh, it was a bridge too far to even get rid of the uh, 1957 International Communism AUMF and uh, the Gulf War AUMF. Uh, but Liz Cheney uh, essentially seemed to be arguing, and she wasn't alone, that uh, repealing old AUMFs is kind of is is appeasement. It, it sends the wrong message. Uh, she actually said that uh, there, there was a danger that without the 2002 AUMF, uh, the U.S. would be prevented from taking necessary action to counter Iranian proxies. Well, when she issued that statement, uh, Joe Biden had already back in February, uh, you know, taken shots at Iranian militias in the region uh, without invoking the 2002 AUMF. And a little over a week after she issued that statement, he did it again. Uh, so it, it's hard to imagine a more wrong statement uh, of uh, uh, the implications of repealing the 2002 AUMF. Uh, Mitt Romney, uh, when the debate moved into the Senate, uh, led a group of uh, Senate far, of Republicans on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to derail the vote, to delay it at least. Uh, he, he, in a letter to the chairman, Chairman Menendez, he demanded uh, more testimony uh, classified in public hearings, uh, allowing the senators to fully evaluate the conditions on the ground and the implications of repealing the 2002 AUMF. Uh, but it's really not that complicated. Uh, the conditions on the ground are we're on the ground in Iraq and Syria, and we're getting shot at occasionally, and we're uh, shooting back periodically. And according to President Biden, we're going to stay there and keep doing that, uh, regardless of whether the Congress is ultimately successful in repealing the 2002 AUF or not. Uh, he's actually come out, his administration has come out in support of repealing the 2002 authorization because he says we're not using it for anything. We can do what we want in the region uh, with or without it. So it underscores the kind of kabuki theater nature uh, of this debate. They, their uh, proponents are actually calling it constitutional hygiene. You know, we're cleaning up the statute books, but it doesn't affect current op operations. And it's a bit like the, uh, you know, washing your washing your hands frantically and uh, coating them in sanitizer uh, to protect yourself from COVID. It's, uh, it's hygiene theater. Uh, we're not really at the point of reclaiming any war powers for Congress until we're dealing with the 2001 AUMF that uh, underwrites most of our military activity in the region. So specifically, what does that AUMF authorize as far as the, the president sees it? Well, when Joe Biden voted for it, uh, it, it just after 9-11, uh, he uh, came out and said, you know, this authorization is limited. It's not the Gulf of Tonkin resolution that uh, gave LBJ the power to go into Vietnam. Uh, it doesn't say go go pell-mell and go anywhere, do anything, anytime, anyplace. Uh, but over the years and through three presidencies, that's more or less what it became. It became the very thing that 
then-Senator Joe Biden said it would never become. Uh, and uh, a good part of that was in the administration that, you know, his last tour in the executive branch as vice president. The Obama administration, uh, probably more than uh, the Bush administration or the Trump administration, really stretched the 2001 AUMF far beyond uh, its relatively narrow purposes of targeting the perpetrators of, of 9-11 and anyone who assisted them in carrying out 9-11. Uh, so in 2014, a couple of years after uh, Barack Obama announced the end of major combat operations in Iraq, uh, we went back in to Iraq in force to fight the Islamic State. The main justification for that was uh, an expansion of the interpretation of the 2001 AUMF, even though ISIS had not existed uh, when that resolution was passed. It had no role uh, as an organization because it didn't exist. In the terror attacks of September 11, 2001, it was uh, a, an offshoot of al-Qaeda, even though at the time al-Qaeda had excommunicated and repudiated um, the Islamic State, and they were actually occasionally in hot conflict with each other. Um, the 2001 AUMF, according to the Obama administration, was broad enough to cover uh, a group that had past relations with with uh, al-Qaeda. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's what has justified anti-ISIS operations in Iraq and Syria since 2014. Uh, by the way, the, the Obama administration, even though they partially relied on the 2002 AUMF after 2014, continued to support repealing it because it was unnecessary. They said they already had tortured the 2001 AUMF uh, into covering uh, anti-ISIS operations. Uh, the Trump administration continued that, that interpretation and the Biden administration has continued it as well, at least insofar as it's the it underwrites our presence in the region fighting ISIS. President Biden has said that uh, he supports uh, repealing the 2001 AUMF, but replacing it with a narrow and specific framework that will ensure that we can protect Americans from terrorist threats while ending the forever wars. Well, it's pretty clear what they want is an updated 2001 AUMF that uh, would essentially just hit reset and start the clock over on another generation of globe-spanning war with various jihadist groups. Uh, that is not going to end the forever war. It's going to, uh, you know, launch a, a a new phase in the forever war. Uh, Sooner or later, you know, it, it, it is true, as uh, the proponents of these recent repeals have argued uh, on the Hill, that, uh, you know, this should be the easy part because it doesn't affect ongoing operations, as the president has confirmed. But unless all you want to do is meaningless constitutional hygiene theater, you need to affect current operations, because as long as we are uh, on the ground in Iraq and Syria, uh, we're likely to get to take fire. Uh, and uh, the president will always have 
a, a constitutional self-defense argument that allows him to shoot back and possibly get dragged into a wider war. Uh, if Congress wants to end that situation, a situation that is, a, you know, a recipe for a continuing, enduring forever war, uh, it's really got to deal with uh, the blank check of the 2001 AUMF. So it sounds like what Joe Biden wants is uh, when he refers to it being narrowly tailored, which is he seems to want something that would ratify everything that they're currently doing and may do in the near term. Right. He doesn't want, like most presidents, he doesn't want to be inconvenienced by a, a narrowing of his uh, wartime authority. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, given the resistance to what really ought to be baby steps uh, towards tackling this fundamental issue, um, it, it looks like there is not adequate support at this time in Congress for a replacement AUMF that is narrowly tailored enough to actually stop uh, you know, what we've been doing for uh, going on two decades in the, in the Middle East. But as the debate evolves, uh, hopefully that situation can change. Are there risks to getting rid of this AUMF? Will the U.S. military or Congress uh, be able to act nimbly enough uh, in the face of a legitimate threat if this resolution is repealed? It's hard to, to see why, why they wouldn't be. Uh, I mean, I, I think uh, you need to start from from scratch. And if the Biden administration thinks it, it's vital to American national security interests to uh, be at war with al-Shabaab in Somalia, say, it should have to make that case before Congress because, uh, you know, Congress never heard that case and never voted on it. Uh, like other jihadist groups uh, covered, uh, ostensibly covered uh, according to the administration's interpretation by the 2001 AUMF, it was just done under a theory that they're associated forces with al-Qaeda, associated forces being a term of art that doesn't appear anywhere in the 2001 AUMF. Uh, but if these groups are uh, a threat to the, are, are supposed to be a threat to the United States, uh, the administration should have to make that case to Congress in an open debate, and Congress should stand and be counted on whether they think uh, continuing military presence in the greater Middle East is necessary to keep Americans safe at home. I don't think they can make that case uh, in a credible manner, um, but I, I think we should have that debate rather than have another generation of mission creep and uh, an empty debate over uh, whether, when, uh, how, and with whom we go to war. Those are fundamental questions that the Constitution leaves to Congress and that Congress ought to, be, ought to stand and be counted on. Gene Healy is Senior Vice President for Policy at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 